Welcome to Empath, conversations and intentions around meaningful marketing for soulful, sensitive, empathic entrepreneurs. Join me, the feral writer, to talk with truth and texture about creativity from the heart space, marketing with meaning and emotion. This is Empath. Hi guys, and welcome back to Empath. Today I'm talking about astrological transits to support your business. Now I want to first of all begin, I do not class myself as an astrologer. Astrology is just something I'm incredibly passionate about, have been learning for a while, have followed for many, many years, over 20 years, and I've learned to incorporate into my business. And it all began like this, looking at the opportunities as they came up in my chart, looking at the potential disruptions as they happened in my chart and starting to be aware of how I could work with the energy, how I could maximize the energy in and sort of ride the astrological wave as and when these ebbs and flow were taking place in my life and in my business. So today what I'm really doing is just a very simple podcast episode all about some transits or, you know, to look out for that will support your business, that will really help you maximize your opportunity for success. And just work with the astrological frequency that's happening at that time. So when I point these out, you can then go and look in your calendar, work out when these things might be happening for you and plan things around them. I mean, you don't have to live by the the astrological transits. But for me, knowing where a new moon is happening, knowing that it's a new beginning in a certain area of my life, even that alone has really impacted my business and how I operate. So without further ado, here are some transits that I would like to draw your attention to. So number one is new moons. I have to start with new moons. If you only take away one thing from today's podcast, or if you know very little about astrology or nothing about astrology, this is the absolute best starting point. So you want to look for new moons happening in different areas of your life. So in your astrology chart, The 10th house is your house of career and your house of sort of higher purpose in life, where your MC is, your angle, the MC. The 6th house is your house of day-to-day work, daily routine and service. I always think of the difference between these as the 10th house being Capricorn energy, because it's Capricorn that would traditionally rule that house, and the the 6th house being a Virgo energy, because Virgo would traditionally rule rule that house. So if you look at Capricorn energy, it's all about, you know, getting to the top, climbing to the top, climbing the ladder, um, just working hard to achieve success, putting in the effort. Capricorn's about putting in the effort. It takes time, but it pays off. It's ambitious. Virgo is more of a sort of service energy. It's, It's providing service to others. It's crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Virgo is like the amazing PA who doesn't let you miss a meeting and has all your shit together all the time. I have very little Virgo in my chart and sadly for me, I do not have my shit together most of the time. But when I have hired PAs in the past and administrative people, I've wanted someone very Virgo. And it's not hard to find someone Virgo because most people that gravitate towards those sort of industries of you know, secretarial and having your shit togetherness, they tend to have a lot of Virgo going on. My sister-in-law is a Virgo rising. And honestly, like she just is next level. Everything's always 
like, I think she starts buying Christmas presents in like January for December. She has a spreadsheet for everything. She ticks off on a spreadsheet when the present arrives, when it's wrapped, when it's tagged, when it's handed over, etc., etc. And she's like that in every area of her life. And I've learned loads from her. She talked me into getting this. She didn't talk me into. She recommended I get this like fridge magnet calendar, which is just a calendar on the front of your fridge with everything you're doing for the week with different colour pens for different family members. And I really, really loved it for about two months. It's been empty for the last five months. Haven't written a thing on it. It's basically just a big fridge magnet because I just don't have that Virgo and I struggle to incorporate Virgo energy. If I did want to be more Virgo, I would look for transits happening to my Virgo placement to help boost that. I mean, the 10th house and the 6th house can both benefit you. So it's worth being aware of things happening in both. 6th house is more the day-to-day work and 10th house is um, more your sort of career, your purpose. But for me, I have so much happening in my 6th house and I feel like it's really benefited me in my career to have placements in my 6th house, so particular placements. So your new moon, your new moons, you're looking at new moons happening in your house of work. So you're looking at new moons in the 10th house, maybe new moons in the 6th house, but definitely in the 10th. In the 3rd house, for instance, 3rd house is your house of communication. If you were going to start a podcast, I would recommend starting it when there's a new moon in your 3rd house. Or if you need to communicate something or create a blog or even create a course, all this sort of thing. I would look at where the new moon is falling and maximizing that. If you want to focus on finances and bringing in more money, a new moon in your second house, which rules your finances. So there's also a magical new moon each year, which is your personal new moon, depending on your rising sign. So if you know your rising sign, and if you don't know it, you can go to somewhere like astro.com, put in your time of birth, your place of birth, your date of birth, And it will help you calculate your rising time. And then when you know that, you know your 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 first house and your first house. When there's a new moon in your first house, that is like your most powerful moon of the year. And I save all my most important wishes for that moon. It's the same time every year, by the way. Once you know the moons, they follow a regular pattern each year. So secondly, look at the ruler of your 10th house or the ruler of your MC angle at the top of your chart, making positive aspects. So when there's positive things happening, let's say your your MC is in Aries, you'll be looking at Mars as your as your MC ruler. So when there are positive aspects happening to Mars, that's when there's opportunities for us, such as Jupiter, Jupiter transiting your MC ruler or the North Node transiting your MC ruler. This can increase work opportunities or help you move closer to your purpose in some way especially when the moon's in the same sign as your midheaven. When the moon is traveling in the same sign as your midheaven and and transiting that area, this is a real opportunity to be seen, to be seen and appreciated by your audience. So it's a great time for launches or like I always try and launch things around new moons. But if I've got a big launch, I would go for when the moon is in the same sign as the midheaven if I can. Now, obviously, the moon travels really fast, so it travels the fastest of all the planets. Well, the moon isn't a planet, it's a luminary. This isn't an astrology seminar, so I don't want to get too much into it. But the moon is a luminary, but it travels really fast. So it's only really spending about two and a half days in each sign. So it doesn't take long to go over your MC. It will go over your MC at least once a month. So that's the time to plan any really good launches because it really helps you 
get that extra boost that can be offered. You know, Jupiter, Jupiter as well is always about expansion, promotion, opportunity. Whenever Jupiter is involved, keep an eye on where Jupiter is and when it's transiting houses and when it's transiting planets. So Jupiter in your 10th house is absolutely good for career. It's in a house for about a year at a time. So it takes 12 years to come back round. So it will only be in your house of career, for instance, once every 12 years. So it's really important and helpful to know when that is and to know that um, that it will boost it for you. You know, when Jupiter was in my house of career, I launched Empress. So you know, I knew that was absolutely the time that I wanted to create Empress. And when it was last in my um, house of career, I started a business then. So it's working to the energies and knowing that Jupiter will sort of expand anything it touches. When it's conjunct your sun, you're more likely to get like career growth because the sun can also represent your like core identity in your career as well. Number three is Venus entering your house of career. Venus is a lovely planet. It gives blessings and abundance. So Whenever Venus transits your house of career or your MC, it's really, really positive, in my opinion. And also, sun in the house of your career. Sun lights up different areas. Sun lights up different areas. It's basically like a flashlight on an area or a spotlight. If you imagine on a stage a group of actors and suddenly a spotlight on one of them when they're about to have a solo, that's what the sun does to each house. It walks into a house and it lights it up and everyone notices that house. So when the sun is in your 10th house or the sun is conjunct your MC, it's really drawing attention to your purpose and drawing attention to your career opportunities. The next thing is number four, Pluto transiting your 10th house um, or Pluto transiting your sun. I'm bringing this in because Pluto gets a bit of a bad reputation. You know, after all, Pluto is... Technically, there's the planet of death and destruction, but there's so much magic and depth in Pluto. And for me, I think that when there's a Pluto transit in your life, it's game-changing. And that applies to your business as well. Pluto in your 10th house, Pluto is a very slow planet, may I add. It will be in each house for a long time. You know, it's just been in Capricorn since 2008, and it's coming out of Capricorn this year, and it's just gone into Aquarius now, but it's going to go back into Capricorn one final time. But essentially. You know, it's, in, it's going to be in Aquarius for about 20 years. It's a long time. It's a long transit to be working with. But Pluto in your 10th house will completely transform your career and your purpose in a way that when you come out, it's almost unimaginable to how you went in. It's also on an angle, so it's even more powerful. Pluto is very loud when it's on an angle. And I find that Pluto transiting your sun does exactly the same thing. So Pluto going over your sun conjunction, Pluto squaring your sun, which is something I've been going through for the last couple of years. Pluto transits are very slow. Pluto opposite your sun. These all Pluto trine your sun, Pluto sextile your sun. The trines and sextiles are softer aspects. They still massively change things for you. They just do it with less of Im less impact in a way that sometimes a square, an opposition or a conjunction, it can be like a knockout. It's a sudden shock to the system but it's almost always for the better. I heard somebody describe it a long time ago, and I can't credit this to anybody because I've forgotten who said it, but I can tell you it would have been an amazing astrologer. Um, they said that Pluto transits are like some men coming into your house and trashing your bathroom, smashing it up with hammers, pulling out the sink, pulling out the toilet, and walking away and leaving you with nothing. You've got nowhere to wash, nowhere to go to the toilet, and you're thinking, what the hell just happened to my life? And then six months later, 
Out of nowhere, a brand new bathroom suite arrives and it's the best bathroom you've ever seen in your life. It's your dream bathroom. This is a Pluto transit. When you go through it, it is hell on earth, but it's almost always for the better. And I find that really powerful because I find most people go through massive career shifts and identity shifts when Pluto's involved. And when Pluto's transiting that house, that's when we feel it the most. But also the sun. Pluto anywhere near the sun is slow and you might never experience this, by the way. Pluto takes over 200 years to transit a chart. And so you will only experience Pluto in a handful of houses in your lifetime. Maybe three, maybe four, five maybe? I mean, five would be probably a bit of a push, but you're not going to experience Pluto. Everyone gets a different experience of Pluto. I've currently got Pluto square my sun. You might never, ever experience that. You might get the trine or you might get the opposition or you might get something completely different. But it's worth considering Pluto as a major game changer when it comes to anywhere that it moves. In fact, the Pluto energy, that sort of Pluto sun energy, a crisis transformation, the essence of alchemy and disruption, but for positive change at the root of everything, it was that energy that lies beneath Priestess. When I created Priestess, it was with that energy in mind, with that Pluto regeneration, Phoenix from the ashes energy. Uranus as well. I want to put Uranus in here as well, but Uranus, also another slow-moving planet, not, as, not nearly as slow-moving as Pluto, but you know, slower than your personal planets. It's about change and awakening. And I find often when Uranus is involved in a transit, it can really suddenly change your business and shake it up in a way that you never expected. It's not necessarily malefic. Like Uranus isn't always a bad thing. I think it can be scary because we're frightened of change, but it can be exhilarating and exciting and sudden. And this goes for opportunities. Sudden opportunities can come in out of nowhere where Uranus is involved. And often they're part of your fate to take you where you want to be or where you need to be. Uh, you know, there's good things to say about Uranus, but again, it can also be quite shocking and it can suddenly blindside you out of nowhere. And, you know, you might lose loads of money or lose a customer or, you know, there's all these things. Uranus could go either way, but that's, that's what the essence of Uranus is. It's completely unpredictable. Um, number five is Saturn transits. Saturn transits get a really bad reputation. And actually, people often say if you've got Saturn conjunct a planet or, you know, Saturn conjunct your, in your house of career, it's hard work and it's really bad and it's going to like lose you business. And because Saturn is not the nicest planet and it is a taskmaster. But you know, I think Saturn gets a really bad reputation for a lot of the time because there are good things about Saturn too. He makes you work for it. Saturn stands for responsibility and commitment, hard work. So for me, I mean, I've got Saturn in aspect to my son in my natal chart. And I think that is what makes me a workaholic. I'm not saying that being a workaholic is a good thing. It's something I have been fighting my whole life and finally making some ground on because it takes time to overcome your sort of Saturn placements and to really learn how to channel them for good. But it makes you disciplined. It makes you committed. People, people always say to me because I run my business, don't you find you just watch daytime television? And I'm like, no, I've never once done that. I could be sick as you like, and I will turn up to work. It takes a lot to knock me out because I'm, I've got this Saturn element in my chart and I will just go and go and go and work and work. And, and that's it. 
Saturn's really good for getting shit done. So if you've got a Saturn transit and you've got a project, you can use that energy and jump on that energy. Saturn doesn't have to be bad. And then number six is looking at your sun and midheaven progressions. I don't want to get too much into this because I know it's getting a bit complicated now. But if you look at your progressed chart, which is a separate chart, um, it's it's called secondary progressions. And what it is, is it looks at um, a day for each year. It's really complicated to explain this because I don't want to overwhelm anybody. But you can look at your progress chart and look at what's happening in that. And anything happening with your sun or your midheaven in there can also be really relevant to what's happening to you. I actually find the secondary progressions very useful for looking at predictive astrology. Number seven is to know your natal chart. Uh, This is really important because people often like, what's going to happen? Look at the future. But first of all, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, astrology is not fixed in stone. We still have free will. But also... You can see from your natal chart which planets support your career or not. What are you born with? What energy is baked into you? If you know you've got potential issues with certain planets or potential positive elements with certain planets, you know, I'm going to take Neptune as an example. My um, astrology mentor, Haley, when we met, I really realized she didn't like Neptune very much and she is not alone. So far, I've not found one astrologer that's really nice about Neptune and I'm starting to learn That it's because Neptune's got this really dark side, but it looks beautiful and it's mystical and it's magical. And then it sort of pulls you into the riptide and sucks you under. But for me, I love Neptune. I've loved Neptune my whole life. I can credit my career to Neptune, actually, because it's it's what brings in the poetry and the romance and the magic and the creativity and the mystical and the spiritual This is all because of Neptune. Well, let me tell you, my best placement in my chart and my closest aspect, I think, in my chart is my Neptune sun placement. And oh my goodness, Neptune in a bad relation to your sun can completely cloud your identity, but in a good relationship to your sun, I'm living in a daydream, but I'm living the best version of that daydream. I can channel creativity like nobody I know. And it's because of Neptune. But you meet somebody with a bad Neptune placement and all they're going to attract in a lot of ways is the negative, the shadow side of Neptune. They're probably going to be deceived or have project fantasies onto people and things that don't work out for them. Whereas I've got the opposite. I walk out and Neptune just appears for me. Before I make it sound too amazing, let me tell you, I've got other things in my chart that really, really don't serve me. Everybody's got challenges in their chart and everybody's got brilliant potential in their chart. So it's just learning your chart and learning the potentials and how you maximize them and what you need to be aware of. You know, if you know you've got negative Neptune placements, you just need to be aware that you are checking the transits for that and making sure you're not falling into another Neptune trap or whatever the planet may be. So it's just like, let me tell you one of my bad placements. I have got Mercury conjunct Mars and that is someone that can be quite fierce with their words which let's be honest I mean I'm the feral writer for a reason and I can be very sharp with my with my words and I can be quite cutting and I'm having to learn to manage that and as I get older I'm learning it more there have been areas in my life and times in my life where I've not channeled that particularly well and it means I can be angry and I can speak my mind and sometimes that's not very considered so It's a learning curve, but now I know that, I know how that's going to affect me. And also you need to look at what rules what part of your chart. 
so you can start to learn what placements affect what part of your personality and your life and how that unfolds. Number eight is to, last of all, look for patterns. Astrology is so much about patterns. So you can use a combination of natal charts, solar returns, um, secondary progressions, solar arcs, etc. And look for patterns. So you start to realize, well, last time the sun was here, this happened to me. Last time I had a full moon in Aquarius, this happened to me. Ah, the last time I had Venus retrograde, this happened. But last time was in Leo, this time is in Gemini or whatever. It's looking at it and it's tracking it. The more you look at it, the more you track it, the more you know how to work with it next time it comes up because you'll know how it affects you. It's all very well that people will say, this means this in astrology, but I don't believe really in cookbook astrology. I've looked at enough astrology to think, you know, when someone says, oh, Mars in Gemini means this or Venus in Gemini means that. I'm like, yeah, some of that is true, but also some of it's completely crap. It's just the same old stuff you see regurgitated in textbooks and it's very, very light and surface level. The best thing you can do is know yourself, know your chart, know your aspects, know what you're working with. Take a moment to look in the mirror and astrology helps you to look in the mirror and then work out the patterns. Well, what happened last time I had a dark night of the soul in my life? What planets were involved and what was going on? What happened the last time I fell in love? What planets were happening and how did I maximize that? And it's not even because you might want another relationship. You can look at what happened to you when you fell in love, but you can apply that to other areas of your life as well. I would start by looking at the upcoming moons because there's a lot to take in here. So if you're going to do anything, start by looking at your upcoming moons or your chart ruler. Um, if you look at your rising sign, then look at the ruler of that rising sign and make a note of how you could work with the energy Rather than thinking, oh, there's a Leo full moon, which by the way, there's a Leo full moon as I'm recording this. Rather than thinking, oh, a Leo full moon is all about courage and all about the, our light and how we shine and how we love. That is true. Leo does represent this energy. But look at where Leo is for you. What house is it in? What aspects is it making? That affects everything. How you are is how you express Leo. What area of your life do you express this Leo energy? And then how can you apply? that to the current moon and work out how you're going to maximize that energy to your benefit. That's what I would do. Look at the moons if you're going to start. If you would like astrological support, I currently, at the time of recording this, have two places left for priestess. And as part of my priestess program, I am recording natal chart readings for my priestess clients and also working with them and looking at the astrological energy as the year goes on to help them maximize it for their businesses as well. We always finish with an invitation to set an intention. So today I'm just asking you, how can you maximize the energy, the universal energy astrologically? You might not believe in astrology and that's absolutely fine as well. This episode might not be for you. But if it is for you, if you're curious, if you want to see how you could make it work for you, perhaps start by making a note of the upcoming new moons and working out where they are in your chart and what you can call in. New moon is a time of manifestation, of possibility. It's the moment we plant the seed. It's not the moment we pick the fruit. There is a difference. So you're sowing a seed, you're putting a seed in the ground, and you're saying, this is my intention. This is what I'm calling in. 
Start thinking about that. Your My invitation for you to set an intention is about setting your intention for new moons this month. And remember, guys, whatever you do, all you've got to be is true. Thank you for listening to Empath, the podcast for meaningful marketing for soulful creatives. If you want more from me, head to my website, jesscollins.co.uk and check out my membership community, Empress, where you will find a community of heart-centered creatives, the Empress Practice, my signature seven chapters of soulful marketing and weekly live sessions, from soul goal setting to journaling and personal access to me. The doors are currently open. Be sure to message me on Instagram at The Feral Writer to let me know how you found this episode. Take care and I'll be back next week.